Morning, everyone. Good morning. How are you guys today? I'm kind of a man lost in the middle of a platform. <laughs> Don't mind me. Excuse me, Eric. Let's hear it for Eric. <laughs> All right. Hope you guys had a great week, and I hope we're going to have a great day, and uh, trusting that, right? Today, we're going to talk about what's that smell uh, out of John chapter 11, um, and we're talking about being a resurrection people in our, um, in our common project. We're in our second week of this series, and uh, the invitation for us to pay attention to is that we are resurrection people. Claire mentioned it a little a few minutes ago that resurrection kind of in general in our lives we think of resurrection in two ways i think most commonly uh we think that well we in our own lives we think of the resurrection of christ i think primarily uh, but then in our own lives we think there's this resurrection moment perhaps that happens to us when we give our life to christ so that's a resurrection. And then there's the resurrection that we trust and we count on when we die and we head off to heaven that there's this resurrection that happens. Uh, but I would contend that resurrection and resurrection people have resurrection happening in their lives in an ongoing way, that the opportunity for resurrection to happen in our lives is anywhere where we put down that dead thing that old thing that God wants us to release and move into the new thing. That becomes a place of resurrection, a place of new life. And that's the invitation for all of us. Uh, so a beautiful story uh, that maybe most of us are familiar with is in John chapter 11. Um, and I would actually encourage you to maybe read the whole story. We're going to read a lot of it today, but it's about the resurrection of Lazarus and how that uh, relates to our own life. And I want to look at things that resurrection people need to keep in mind. So let's, why don't we stand and read this together? Starting with verse one, John chapter 11, nice loud voices. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany and village of Mary and her sister Martha. Mary was the one who anointed the Lord with perfume and wiped his feet with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent a message to Jesus, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. Rather, it is for God's glory so that the son of God may be glorified through it. Accordingly, though Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, after having heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Let's just stop right there. So I don't know about you, but that's just not the kind of service I'm looking for, right? I mean, when you find out that I'm ill, you're my good friend, and then you decide to stay. It's almost as if Jesus yawns at this part of the story, right? It's like... After her, after he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed, and I don't know, he stayed at the resort, he stayed, he hung out somewhere for two more days, didn't seem to be in any kind of hurry. Okay, let's go on. Verse 12, the disciples then said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, 
But they thought he was speaking of literal sleep. So Jesus then said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and I am glad for your sakes that I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Now hold on there for a minute. Let's go back. Jesus said to them plainly, I love this. Jesus says some crazy stuff, doesn't he? Lazarus is dead and I am glad. That's what it says, Jesus said. Lazarus is dead and I am glad for your sakes. All right, let's go on. When Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Now, Bethany was near Jerusalem, some two miles away, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them about their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him while Mary stayed at home. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask of him. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Let's stop there for a second. Now, primarily this comes from uh, the Jewish belief system that there would be uh, the Jews that did believe in the resurrection believed in corporate resurrection. So kind of the resurrection that Christians would uh, sense and agree with, like on the last day, there's this Corporate resurrection, right? Everybody resurrects together. That was so when she's talking, Martha, it's almost two different conversations. Martha says to him, he'll rise again in the resurrection on the last day. So she's affirming her beliefs in the resurrection, but she's believing like most of us would in this situation, if not all of us, he'll rise again on the last day. Okay, go ahead. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Coming into the world. She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one. Then Coming into the world. Okay. Okay. Well, we're going to pray for all of us to be better at that kind of stuff, that we'll resurrect into something better by the end of this. It just shows that you are not perfect. You're just an amazing human. Anyway, verse 38, Then Jesus, again, greatly disturbed, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone was lying against it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, already there is a stench because he has been dead four days. Hence, the creative title of the message, What Stinks. Uh, anyway, Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus looked upward and said, Father, I thank you for having heard me. And Jesus looked upward and said, Father, I thank you for having heard me. Again, I knew that you always heard me, but I have said this for the sake of the crowd standing here, so that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said this, 
he crowd, cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound with strips of cloth, his face wrapped in a cloth. Jesus said to him, unbind him and let him go. You guys can go ahead and sit down. And you got your Bible reading in for the week. So there's about a hundred pounds of of wrappings, around a hundred pounds of wrappings on Lazarus. So when he says to unbind him, think in terms if you've ever been to um, like a historical museum and you've seen a mummy, uh, uh, similar to that. So like the legs aren't wrapped separate. He's he's almost like a cocoon. Okay. Uh, probably. That's what's happening. So he comes out of the tomb and they have to unwrap the dressings that have been on him after he is alive, comes alive from the dead. I just want to give you three words that I want to talk to you about for a couple of minutes around this issue of resurrection so that we can be the kind of people that are paying attention to resurrection in our life every day. Like on this day, God wants to resurrect some things in all of our lives. There are things going on in each one of our lives that if we paid enough attention or considered, we would probably all be able to say there are some dead things in my life. For some of us, we have left those dead things to just simply be dead. We think they're never coming back to life, and we have given up hope that they would come back to life. And we're just saying on the day of the resurrection in the sweet by and by when I enter into heaven, then I'll get to receive all of that stuff back. And we have given up on some things that God perhaps wants to resurrect in our own lives. The three words I want to give you uh, is sneaky, stink, and quit. If you can just remember those three words, it might be easier to remember them if it's sneaky, stinky, and stoppy. So sneaky, stinky, and stoppy. Just sneak stink, and quit. The first thing that we understand when we pay attention as resurrection people is that Jesus can be sneaky. Jesus can be sneaky. Have you ever noticed how, in other words, He surprises us. Have you ever been surprised by Jesus? He, he, uh, the, the term sneaky, I heard that years ago, Stephen Furtick, I heard him use the term uh, sneaky, that Jesus is sneaky, and he is. He surprises. He's always been this way. I mean, think about when Jesus uh, walked the earth the way that he surprised people. And this portion of Scripture is obviously one of those portions of Scripture where God is able to sneak up on us. Jesus can sneak up on our lives, walks into the lives of three people, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, who he is, whom he is very close with, uh, as Claire mentioned, really tight with these folks and is able to totally surprise them and everybody else. So even the people that know Jesus closely get surprised at times. You ever been surprised? Remember one time Claire threw a surprise party for me and somehow she pulled it off. We were back in the Detroit area and I, uh, we, she just told me we were going, she lied to me, we were going to life group, I think, home group, and I walked down the stairs. I had just gotten a license, uh, Actually, as a journeyman electrician, I can remember walking down the steps, and right as I hit the bottom of the step in one of our friends' homes, I realized that there were a bunch of people there that wouldn't 
you know, they wouldn't uh, grace a home meeting. Anyway, so they were there to celebrate. Uh, and I remember I walked in and I was like shocked and I just kept walking right through. All I could see is the laundry room door. And that's where I went. It's like I'm, I'm leaving here. And uh, I, we were in Haiti a couple of years or a while, several years ago. It was just Sean and Claire and myself. And we're in, we're there, we're there for a graduation, Bible school graduation. We're doing like this commencement thing. And Claire and I uh, are asked to share some thoughts. We get to the end of it. And when you're in Haiti, one of the things that you're mindful of are tarantulas, unless you're just really crazy, right? Um, and of course, so we, we drive for several hours. We get there. We're really dirty. We got to change. We hang our clothes up and they're like, well, I don't know if you want to hang your clothes up. Maybe put them in your suitcase and zipper it closed because the tarantulas and other things, you know, other bugs can get in there. And we're like, okay, okay. So we're being real cautious of that. And sure enough, uh, we're going to, after the commencement, it's like, dust, just starting to get dark, and we're going to put our into the room. It's about 110 degrees, and we go into this room, and there's like, you got to imagine, there's very little lighting, and um, we walk in, and sure enough, there's a tarantula in one of the shirts. Not one of our shirts, but just one of the shirts that was hanging up. That felt really fun, and um, you know, so we're like, oh my gosh, that's awesome, you know, and this thing's like darting around the room, and so that is, we're getting ready to get back in the truck and drive for several more hours. So we get in the truck, we're, we're in the truck, Carlo and somebody else is in the front, and in the back seat, it's Claire in the middle, Sean on this side, and I'm on this side. Now we're all not really saying it, but we're all thinking about the tarantula. You know, because we want to be brave and act like we just fit right in with the Haitians. So anyway, we're sitting there and we all have our flashlights. And we're kind of looking in the truck, you know, because the doors had been open in the truck. You don't know what crawled in. And while we're doing this and we're cruising along, we've been in the truck about 10 minutes. And all of the sudden, I have what I think is a tarantula on the back of my neck. I threw my flashlight right out the window Fortunately, I didn't scream. And I looked over and it was Sean's hand. Reaching over. Sneaky guy. Yeah, you did. But Jesus is sneaky. Have you ever, have you ever been surprised? See, they were surprised because they said, Jesus, if you were here, because Mary and Martha said the same thing to Jesus. We didn't read both of them saying it, but both of them say the same thing to Jesus. If you had been here, he wouldn't have died. And haven't we said that, all of us, in one way or another, to Jesus? Jesus, if you would have been here, this wouldn't have happened this way. But see, Jesus all along has a surprise, a sneaky surprise in mind. And they can't see it. And sometimes we can't see the fact that as resurrection people, what we should be used to seeing is that Jesus can surprise us in ways that we, as close as we get to Him, we still will not be able to always be ready for the surprises. But trust me, surprises are coming your way. Think about through the Scripture. Jesus is born not in a big city, like if you're going to appear as the Messiah of the world and you have control over where you're going to be born and sent to. You don't go to Bethlehem. You go to Washington, D.C. or you go to Rome. You go to like a big place and make the show. 
How about the time that there's a bad storm and Jesus sneaks up on the guys who are, who are in that case crying out because they think they're going to lose their life and they look and Jesus is sneaking up on them and they say, it's a ghost because Jesus sneaks up on us. He walks through locked doors. On the road to Emmaus after the resurrection, these two guys look at him at one point as he's having a conversation with them after his resurrection. They have no clue because he has now snuck up on them. He has surprised them. They don't even have a a clue in life that it's Jesus. And they actually ask him after some conversation, are you the only one around here that doesn't realize what's going on? That there was a guy that died on a cross, now they're saying he's resurrected from the dead. Are you the only one that doesn't get it? And there he is, he's standing sneakily. Standing, what do you mean? I don't get it. But he doesn't say that. He keeps sneaking around, right? He has a fish fry on the beach. They're like, who is the guy, the weird guy on the beach having fish fry with the long hair? Speaks like he's English. No, that's the only in the movies. Anyway, it's Jesus. And, and at some point, they get surprised and Peter jumps out of the boat because they realize that sneaky Jesus has shown up. How about the time where they have been out ministering, it's getting late, there's thousands of people, and they tell Jesus, Jesus, we got to feed these people. And Jesus looks at him. You're talking about surprising. Have you ever been in a situation like this? Probably not totally like this, but Jesus looks at the disciples and he says, you feed them. It's almost like he's tired of the disciples. You feed them. You go ahead. And they're like, the closest McDonald's is miles from here. And we don't even have the money for that. So then it gets worse, right? They pull out. The little boy gives his, his bread and his couple of fish. And then... Jesus breaks the bread and hands it to them and again tells them to feed them, feed the thousands of people. That's that's sneaky. Now Jesus has every confidence, obviously, of what he's up to. Jesus knows that Lazarus is going to raise from the dead, but he wants to surprise us. We serve a God that is sneaking up on us. How do you know that God isn't wanting to sneak up on you today? That He doesn't want to surprise you on this day with some of that resurrection power? The second word is the word stink because delay can stink. doesn't matter what version you, you read. Literally, it means there is a stench after four days. Now, four days is an interesting amount of time in this story. And there's a reason, I believe, that there's four days and not another number of days. And we'll get to that in a minute. But years ago, I was coaching baseball, and I was headed to Potterville with uh, Josiah, our youngest, was playing. And I had Mark uh, he was an assistant coach uh, of mine, and we were driving to this game in Potterville. It was middle of July. It was 90, I would, upper 90s, really hot. And the car, our car, the air conditioning wasn't working. So we pile in the car, you know, we're thinking no big deal about that. We get, we're on 69, heading up to Potterville. And after about 10 minutes, it really starts smelling in the car. I mean, bad. You ever been there where it just like stinks bad? 
and you don't know why it stinks, and you start looking at each other, and I'm like, oh my gosh, Josiah, check your shoes. I mean, something's wrong here, and it is so bad. We're like, we have got to stop the car. And if it's on something like is on our, we got to check the trunk. Do we have an animal that got up in the hood of the car? So we literally pull off the road. We're looking all around. We're in this parking lot and we're checking our own self. We're like smelling one another. You, you know, you take a shower, any of this kind of stuff. And then somebody crawled in the back seat and we find this pair of old stinky tennis shoes. And I got to tell you, they were so bad. So like the flashlight that I threw out in Haiti, we just threw the tennis. I don't even know. If they were your tennis shoes, I'm sorry. I did throw those out on the side of the road. I'm not sure whose. I have some hunches whose shoes those were. But it smelled. and It was uncomfortable. But it's the delay that brings the stink in this case. They say because he's been there for four days, there's a stench. It stinks. Now what happens to us sometimes is we know there's some stink in our own life, and we just wish, it's like in this case where they just say, Jesus, it really stenches. Don't open the tomb. And that's how we get sometimes. It's like, I got this thing in my life possibly that this really does, this, this has a bad aroma to it. And I would rather you just didn't get involved, Jesus. But Jesus isn't afraid of your stink. He's not afraid of those parts of your life that need to be resurrected. As a matter of fact, He is the God that wants to roll the stone away from the tomb of your life. Been in the tomb for four days. See, it's the delay. We don't like to wait, do we? Um, researcher, MIT professor Richard Larson, um, he studied how, how much the average American spends the, of their life in line. And he came up with, we average two years, each one of us, by the end of our life, two years just standing in line. We don't like standing in line, do we? It's hard for us to wait. How much do you hate waiting? Sometimes it's easier than others, right? I have a quiz for you about waiting, actually. Uh, and here's my question. This is an A, B, C, or D. You can tell your neighbor uh, after you get the answers which one you would prefer. Uh, but when it comes to waiting, let's hear, here's the question. After you have been waiting in the doctor's office for, after, for over an hour, you would most likely, A, take the chance to catch up on a 1993 copy of the Reader's Digest. That's A. B, perhaps, you would tell other patients that you have a highly contagious and fatal disease, hoping that they would all leave the room, the waiting room. C, sit patiently while people cough and sweat and sneeze and they touch every door handle and magazine and chair in the room, you keep your hands in your pockets, only pulling them out to gently massage in some hand sanitizer while breathing in and out as little as possible, or D, hold your breath long enough to pass out so that you will receive immediate attention. Which would it be for you? See, we don't like to wait but the delay, the four days, is pretty powerful for us. 
in our delay, when we're waiting, when we think that Jesus should move today, but he waits, in the midst of that delay, something powerful happens in our lives. A lot of powerful things happen in our lives. Have you ever noticed, uh, even though it's, it seems hard for us to wait, that waiting gets used in our lives? Like, if you notice this new, maybe not such a new thing, but uh, it's been going on for a while, but it's a very popular way of marketing things. It's called, it's, it's this marketing, uh, it's, it's the reveal and release, right? Like the product is revealed, but it's not released. Like they do it with iPhones, they do it with tennis shoes, they do it now with some cars. It's, it's the reveal, you get to know everything that's going to be in it, and then they delay the release, and they do it on purpose. And it's, it's the same thing that happens in our life. It's the same kind of thing that God works. It's just the way we're created. There is something formed in us that is good. Now, marketers do it so that there's a greater hunger for their products, right? There's this anticipation. So the product almost grows as you wait, and they leave a little bit of mystery. Well, what Jesus is doing is creating a hunger in us as we wait, the delay is good for us. There is a desire increase that happens. The mystery that does happen in the wait is something that is a place to help our faith grow and develop. See, God delaying things in our life does not mean God is denying things in our life. It just means He's working things in our life. In Isaiah 40, 31, it says, If we wait on the Lord, our strength is renewed. And we will mount up with wings like eagles and run and not be weary and we will walk and not faint. But we only get those things released when we wait. Things like hunger and desire and strength and endurance and patience. There's the, there's the reveal. There's the problem sometimes. There's the concern. There's the mountain to climb. But we're waiting for the release. That day when we get to go in and actually apprehend the thing that God has us. So sneaky Jesus is out there ready to surprise us, maybe on this day, maybe before your day is over, some big surprise from God is coming your way and you're waiting for it to be revealed. Which leads to this third word, quit. Resurrection people do not quit too soon. It's interesting, in verse 20, the Scripture says that Mary stayed home. Now Mary, Mary stayed home initially. Mary, the Scripture tells us, this is the Mary that is the worshiping Mary. This is not a Mary that isn't a person full of faith. Mary worships Jesus extravagantly. She, she washes His feet with her hair. She just She is an over-the-top worship person. But the Scripture says that when Jesus doesn't show up, He waits two days wherever He was. Then after two days, He journeys for a couple of days. So it's four days before He gets there. Mary, when Mary initially hears that Jesus is coming, the Scripture says Mary stays home. In spite of what we, we experience and we, we realize the things that we apprehend. Sometimes it feels like we just want to quit. The problem with quitting is you don't know what you're missing. 
when you quit too soon, you don't know what you didn't apprehend. See, there's where, this is where the four days comes in. These folks are used to three-day things. They're used to this three-day pattern. We're used to a three-day pattern in the Scripture. The resurrection happens after three days. Jonah is expelled from a fish's belly after three days. Esther stops a death plot against the Jews on the third day. The Israelites cross the Jordan and enter into the Promised Land on the third day, led by Joshua. The Ten Commandments are revealed on Mount Sinai after three days of interaction. There are several famines that you can find in the Scriptures that end on the third day. There are several healings that happen in Scripture that happen on the third day. This third day principle, the three days, you see it again and again and again. But here, it's four days. See, because we almost begin to get to this place where there's this pattern and we're used to the pattern and when Jesus does it by the pattern, we're good. Do it on the third day, Jesus. And Jesus says, I'm going to do this one on the fourth day. I'll see you on the fourth day. And if you quit on the third day, you don't make it to the fourth day. You don't see what's going to happen on the fourth day. I... uh I, my boys and I, we, we were uh, Michigan fans, and I, I'm not going to do this. I, I know we got fans from like all different things and some people who could care less, so don't take this for what it isn't. It's just this quitting thing is amusing to me at times and heartbreaking at others. But um, so last year we're watching the NCAA tournament. Michigan's moving along in the tournament, and um, actually my boys uh, were not with me, but my grandson... Uh, Dante was with me, and then Chris, one of my boy's friends, was with me. There's Dante. He's got a smirk because he, he loved when this happened. Anyway, so we have, we don't have like regular cable or anything at our house. We're always like trying to, you know, use our phone. We don't want to pay people a lot of money. It's like, I'll give you a nickel if I can watch the game or something. Anyway, that's either here or there. But what that does is it's never good coverage. So we're watching the game. And they're playing, um, I don't even remember who they were playing. Who was it? Houston. They're playing Houston. And uh, the game is getting exciting. Michigan's not playing real good, but the game keeps going out, like because we're running it through the phone and the Internet's not working. And the game keeps going out. And, I mean, Chris is like a diehard Michigan guy. He's like, he's all in. He, he, and he is really getting anxious. The game's going on. I don't remember the exact, uh, way it went, but like we dropped behind by two points. Oh, and then we fouled somebody. So the game went out. There's like seconds left. The game goes out and we can't get the game back on. And he is freaking out. Finally, he's done. He's like, I'm out of here. Cause he's like, I don't know. He's heading to a bar or something. Maybe the Applebee's, but he's out. It's like there's, 20 seconds left or something. And he is so angry. He's angry that they lost. He's angry that our, our system is so crappy. He's angry at himself that he came to our house in the first place, probably. And then this is what happened. So Chris is gone. Dante and I are watching. And check out this clip if you haven't seen it. So this is what happens. So they're losing by two. Chris is gone. He's at the bar or trying to get somewhere to watch the game. At midcourt, extra pass. 
And Dante and I look at each other, it's like, this is so good for so many reasons. I mean, this is awesome. The best part about it is Chris left. He missed it. He missed it. Now, this is not the resurrection, right? I mean, this is not the resurrection. But I couldn't wait to call Chris and say, why did you quit on us, man? People are all calling Chris. He's got like a whole network of people that are calling. Chris, what'd you think of the ending? I don't know. I'm in my car. Don't miss the resurrection that God has for your life. Don't dare quit, no matter how bad it may look. Let's stand. God is with us in resurrection power, wanting to surprise us, wanting to do something miraculous. When we are sure that it will never happen, God shows up. That is the God that you serve, that you love, and it's part of why we love God the way we love Him. It's never over. It is really never over until God says, it is finished. And up until then, we never have a reason to walk away. So Father, we as a people stand in awe of You. There's this anticipation in our hearts today of the fact that You could surprise us on this day in, in ways beyond what we, we even, we're not even thinking of. We love that about you, God. We trust you. Maybe for us, God, today's our third day. And it's not the fourth day yet. So we commit to trusting for the fourth day. We commit to being with you on this journey. Help us to live a life of wonder, awe. Help us to receive the graces that are in delay. And Lord, help us to receive the graces that are in the nose that happen in our lives too. We've got a feeling that you are up to something pretty amazing in each one of our lives. So we bless you.
let's end this with a prayer. Whatever way you do, lift your hands to God. If you want that to be true of you or bow your head some way with your body saying to God, I want all my hope to be in you. I want every breath to rest in you. I want to learn how to trust in the God who gives me breath. We want to learn how to trust in the God. If you stop thinking of us right now, we wouldn't be breathing. We can trust in you. So God, I bless my friends with faith and hope and love. And I pray this week is filled with watching and wondering waiting and knowing that you are God. Amen. Have a great week, everybody.